Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, as we study your Word, we do so in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And ask that the Holy Ghost would lead us and guide us and direct us into everything willed by you. And also enlarge our capacity to receive revelation, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and ability of all things that pertain to life and godliness. We thank you, dear Father God, for our ears to be attentive, our hearts to be receptive, our minds to be open. We thank you also for utterance in the Holy Ghost that I may boldly proclaim the truth of your word in the power of the Spirit. That our faith would stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the living God. We'll give you thanks for all that the Word will accomplish in our lives this day, for it will not return to you void. It will accomplish the purpose of your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I want you to notice the expression with all prayer. With all prayer. I also want you to notice that in other translations, it means all kinds of prayer or all manners of prayer. That reveals to us, of course, that there are more kinds of prayer than just one. The Bible reveals to us that there are different kinds of prayer. God, our Father, is concerned about everything that touches our lives. He's already made provision to meet all of our needs through prayer. All we've got to do is pray, and He will meet that need. It's not automatic, but it's been provided. If we will just learn how to develop an effective prayer life, then in so doing, the Father God will be able to move on our behalf and supply our needs or meet our needs. Well, if there are different kinds of prayer, then we must understand that unless we learn the rules that apply to the different types of prayer, then we are going to be praying in the dark. The only way we can avoid that is by getting into the light of the knowledge of God's Word regarding prayer and then appropriate our faith through prayer by applying the rules or the principles to prayer. If you'll do a study in the New Testament, you'll discover that these different types of prayer include, number one, the prayer of consecration and dedication, which is an individual dedicating himself or consecrating his life to do the will of God, and in that particular prayer, you'll pray, Lord, if it be thy will. If it be thy will for you, to me, for you, for me to go to South Africa or to go to China or wherever, then, Lord, I will go. If it's not your will, of course, then I will not go. James said it this way. We shouldn't just say we're going to do this and we're going to do that. What we should say, Lord, if it's thy will, we'll go here and do this and we'll go here and do that or whatever. So that's the prayer of dedication and consecration. There is also the prayer of worship. And that is when 
an individual or a collective body lifts their hearts and voices to God and worships Him by ministering to Him. The prayer of worship. God is looking for those to worship Him in spirit and to worship Him in truth. That is a type of prayer. It's the highest type of prayer. The prayer of worship and praise. Worshiping, magnifying, exalting the Father God. It's not just singing songs, but it is the expression of the heart, making connection in the spirit realm with God the Father. Our spirit contacting His spirit through worship and praise, and the result being reality. God inhabits the praises of His people. Of course, and then when He does that, there are great results. There's also what is termed united prayer. At 5 o'clock, we're going to meet here in the church, and we're going to have united prayer. Everyone joining forces together, joining our faith lives together, to lift our voices up to the Father God in one accord. And I like that. We all may be saying different things or saying things differently, but the Father hears it one way. To Him, it's one heart, one mind, one accord in petitioning Him to do this or do that, or even in just thanksgiving and all that. But that's united prayer. You also discover there is the prayer of agreement. Jesus said, if two of us on earth would agree as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them by my Father which is in heaven. Now, notice the rule that applies to that. You have to be on earth. You can't be in, on Mars. You have to be on earth. Two on earth would agree is touching anything that they shall ask. But there are certain rules that apply to that. Also, you'll find that there's the prayer of intercession, which means petitioning the Father or going to the Father's throne room on the behalf of someone else. Someone is not praying for himself or herself, and so you go and stand the gap between the two and you pray for that person. That's intercessory prayer. There's also the prayer of petition, or what we call the prayer of faith, and closely connected with that is the prayer of commitment. And this morning I want to talk to us about the prayer of faith, or the prayer of petition, either one is fine, and somewhat talk about the prayer of commitment. So if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to James, the fifth chapter... Let's read verses 14 and 15 and see what it says about the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith or the prayer of petition is what we want to talk about this morning. James 5, 14 says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and, and everybody underline this in your Bible, highlight it, circle it, underscore it any way you want to do it, it's fine with me. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Notice, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Now, the word saved there in the Greek is sozo, S-O-Z-O. And what it means is to deliver, to heal, to preserve. To make whole. To protect. It's the same word that's translated whole or made whole in Mark 5, 34, when Jesus told the woman with the issue of blood, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Heal of thy plague. So she was made whole. So really when it says save the sick, what it means is to make whole the sick. Or to heal the sick. 
or to deliver the sick. It's the same word. She was made whole means she was well. She was made healthy. So the prayer of faith is what saves or heals the sick. Notice it's the prayer of faith that saves the sick. It's not prayer that saves the sick. So often many think it's prayer that saves the sick. We've got to pray. And prayer is right. It's proper. But it's the prayer of faith. What kind of prayer are we going to pray? It's the prayer of faith that makes whole the sick. See, very often when we look at that scripture, what we focus in on is call for the elders of the church. Or we focus in on and let them anoint them with oil. So we focus in on the elders or we focus in on the oil and we get distracted. It is the prayer of faith. You can call for the elders and they can anoint with oil and they can pray the prayer of doubt and unbelief. Did you know that? What's the prayer of doubt and unbelief? Lord, if it be thy will, heal this person. That's the prayer of doubt and unbelief. Because if is always the badge of doubt, isn't it? So you've got to know the will of God first before you can pray the prayer of faith. So it's the prayer of faith that saves the sick or that heals the sick or makes whole the sick. Now notice this. Someone says, well, it's the Lord. It's the Lord that does the saving of the sick. Well, we understand that. And God's already done something about the sick when He sent Jesus to the cross of Calvary and laid upon Him all the sickness and the disease of the world. It says the Lord will raise Him up, but it's the prayer of faith that heals the sick. See, God set things in motion already. And so, being healed or receiving from God whatever our need is, whether it's healing or whatever, involves this prayer of faith, which means it involves the believer and what he does more so than what God does. Because God has already done everything He's going to do. If we don't pray the prayer of faith, see, then the result is there's no healing for the sick. Even though God provided it. Even though the need's already been met in His eye. As far as He sees it, He has provided all that we need to be healthy. All that we need to have our needs met. He's already provided that. It's the prayer of faith that activates that or receives that which He has already done. So he says here, the prayer of faith will make whole the sick or heal the sick. Now notice, and the Lord shall raise him up. We understand he has his part to play in that. The Lord raises him up, but it's the prayer of faith that saves the sick. And of course, if he had committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now I recall one time when I was just young in the faith, just newly saved, read through the New Testament, came across that scripture... And we begin to put it into practice. And this one in individual, she was in the hospital with a tumor. And she had called for us, my brother and I, to go there and pray for her. Now, we went there with a bottle of oil because she found this scripture and she read it. And she said, that's what the Bible says and that's what I believe. I like it when people do it the way the Word says to do it. She called. It wasn't somebody else that called for her. She called. You say, why? Because that shows she had a degree of faith. And she was acting on the faith that she had. Just by picking up that phone and calling, saying, I saw in the Scripture that it said, do this, that shows that she had faith. And so she called, and we went to the hospital. 
We anointed her with oil in the name of the Lord and we prayed over her the prayer of faith. And the moment we prayed the prayer of faith, she said, thank God, now I'm healed. She hadn't looked any different. If she would have felt herself, she wouldn't have felt any different. But she said, now that we prayed the prayer of faith, I've been anointed with all, according to the Word of God, now I'm whole. She told the lady next bed, I'm going home. And she said, well, did the doctor say you're going home? She said, no. It doesn't matter what anybody says because I know I'm going home because now I've been prayed for and the prayer of faith was prayed over me. I've been anointed with all in the name of the Lord and now I'm healed. And the only thing she was going on was the Word of God. That's what she acted on. And I'll tell you what, she was getting everybody in that room baffled. Full of doubt and unbelief because they said, you can't, you can't act like that. You know, you're, you're just one of those that went off the deep end. She said, no. She told the nurse when they came in and all that. To make a long story short, she was checked. There was nothing there. She was delivered and set free. The doctor believed it was a miracle. power of God... You know, dissolve that thing and she went home, just like she said. But the point was, the prayer of faith was prayed over her. And she cooperated with that prayer of faith. Do you see that? We have to act intelligently upon the Word of God and do what it says to do. In order for us to get Bible results. We have to know what God said about things and then act accordingly. It doesn't, act, it doesn't happen the way we want it to happen. It happens the way God designed it to happen. And so that's exactly what she did, we did, and he did. And I'll tell you what, the end result was glorious. She had a glorious time, and she was thankful to God that she was delivered and set free. But it was the prayer of faith. Now, you see, the prayer of faith involves our needs, our desires, and our problems that we face in life, and it concerns the individual. It is probably the most frequent prayer that we are going to pray in our lives as believers. Because we are praying for our own needs to be met. And Jesus said it's not improper to pray daily. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in my life on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread. In other words, provide what I need to be sustained in this realm of life on a day-by-day -day basis. And once you pray that prayer, understanding that it's a prayer of faith, you are to believe that for that day you receive your need met. That's the prayer petition. And so, you see, if we were to understand that thoroughly, that means when we get up in the morning, we'd say, Now, Father God, I thank you as I bless your name and praise your name. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I bless your name. Thy kingdom come. It's not here on earth yet. It's in me, but it's not on the earth yet. Realize upon the earth yet. Your will be done. I want your will done on earth as it is in heaven. So give me this day my daily bread. Whatever I need to be sustained in this realm of life, any bill that I have to pay, any need that I have, whatever it is, I believe I receive it, and I thank you for it. That involves the prayer of petition, the prayer of faith. You are petitioning the Father for a specific thing that you need in your life. And so you're going to pray that prayer on a day-by-day -day basis, if you understand what the Scriptures teach. And it's not improper, and it's not wrong. Well, I want to show you the connection between prayer and faith, and I want to make a statement I think many of us know, but some of us don't know. So for those of you that do know it, thank God you're going to hear it again. Those of you that don't know it, thank God you'll be blessed by hearing it and you receive insight. Faith makes prayer work. Faith makes prayer work. Everybody say that with me. Faith makes prayer work. 
See, praying alone is not enough. He said, pray the prayer of faith. Notice the connection between prayer and faith. And let's look at some other scriptures that will reinforce that statement. In James chapter 1, since you're in James, look at verse 6. James chapter 1 and verse 6. But let him ask in faith. Let him ask. Ask implies prayer, doesn't it? Let him ask or petition the Father in prayer. Let him ask, which is prayer. You might want to make note of that. In faith. Notice the connection between prayer and faith. Let him ask or petition the Father in what is called faith. Why? Well, because he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. And verse 8 says, for a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Notice the connection. Ask prayer in faith. Why? Because if you waver... You're unstable, and let not that man even think he shall receive. It's not a matter of God giving. It's a matter of receiving. If I put something right over here on the altar, and I say, here's a $5 bill, it's for you, and call your name out, and I set it right there, and I say, that is yours. It's no longer a matter of giving. It is a matter of receiving. You can walk through the back, right out those doors over there, and just go on home, and that $5 bill is just set right over there on the altar. But it's not a matter of giving. I already gave it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It's not a matter of God giving Jesus to the world. It's a matter of the world receiving Jesus. If people would receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, they'd be saved. They'd be born again. If they don't receive Him as Savior and Lord, then they won't be born again. It's not a matter of giving. It's a matter of receiving. When it comes to healing, it's not a matter of the giver. The giver has already given. Jesus bore our sickness. Jesus carried our pain. When it comes to providing our financial needs, the, the giver has already given. Every good and perfect, down, perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lies, cometh down from the Father of lies, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God never changes. He has given all things. How shall He not with Him freely also give us all things? So it's not a matter of the giver. It's a matter of receiving what has been given. And that's why we should major on this subject called faith. Because, beloved, without this understanding of faith and how to receive from God, God has given us a storehouse of blessings, but the majority of God's people are not cashing in on the benefits. Why? Because they've not yet learned how to receive that which has been given. The thing that prevents one from being, being born again is faith. Think about it. For by grace are you saved through what? Faith. See, that's how one receives salvation. Look at another scripture in connection with faith. And prayer. Look at 1 John chapter 5 with me, if you would, please. 1 John, 1st epistle of John chapter 5, beginning at verse 14. We're now looking at the connection between faith and prayer, prayer and faith, and we are enforcing, reinforcing this statement. Faith makes prayer work. Believing prayer is what changes things, and believing prayer is what receives from God. See, very often, as I said before, teaching along these lines, you'll read the bumper sticker somewhere, or in someone's house they have a little plaque, and it says, prayer changes things. And that's a partial truth. 
It's believing prayer that changes things. If it's understood that it's believing prayer, then we can say, yes, prayer changes things. But in actuality, it's not just prayer that changes things. It is believing prayer that changes things according to the Word of God. And I'll show you another scripture that reinforces that statement. In verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask, ask implies prayer, does it not? If we petition Him, whatever it is, if we ask anything according to His will. Now, there's another important point. Let's take a, a, a side excursion just for a moment here. Notice if we ask anything according to His will. Notice that we have to ask according to His will. Faith begins where the will of God is known. If one does not know the will of God, then faith has yet to be to begun. It has not begun yet. Faith begins where the will of God is known. When a person knows the will of God, he can pray in faith. If he does not know the will of God, he prays in unbelief and doubt and darkness. But when he knows the will of God, praise God, he can pray in faith. There was an individual who believed he had Paul's thorn in the flesh. Now, I'm sure you've heard of that. There's always someone who has either Job's boil, Timothy's stomach, or Paul's thorn, right? Or someone left sick at somewhere, you know. And until they get those things out of their heads and know what the will of God is regarding their physical condition, they're going to have doubt and unbelief concerning the will of God. And this one minister was preaching and teaching along the lines of Paul's thorn in the flesh. And he was doing everything within his ability to show and demonstrate to the people that it was not the will of God for anyone to have Paul's thorn in the flesh. And he showed him that Paul's thorn in the flesh was exactly what the Bible says, a messenger from Satan and not a physical sickness or disease. That wasn't satisfactory. Started to see it, but not clearly enough. Then went on and, and began to share, show that if Paul had a physical sickness or a physical disease in his physical body, then to do the things that he did that required strength would be an absolute impossibility. To go the places that he went, to do all the teachings that he taught, to cover the territory that he covered, you couldn't possibly do in a weakened physical condition. And just went on teaching all the different aspects of Paul's thorn in the flesh. And finally concluded it by saying this. Well, look, for the rest of you out there, if you have a hard time understanding what the will of God is, you think you have Paul's thorn in the flesh, you don't qualify. You can always get people with that one. You don't qualify. Why don't I qualify? Because the Bible says that Paul had an abundance of revelations. And because of the abundance of revelations that he had, there was given unto him a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan sent, to buffet him. So if you have had all this abundance of revelations in your life, then you qualify. And the fellow was, he was stood up. He had a problem in his body. And he, as he was standing up there, he said, well, he thought about it and said, you know, fine, I just don't qualify. I don't qualify. I thought all this time I had Paul's thorn in the flesh. I don't qualify because I have not had all this abundance of revelations in my life. Sat down, had a bull. And it disappeared. What, ha what had to take place inside the man's heart was, he had to know the will of God regarding healing. He had to know that it was not Paul's thorn that he had, it was not Job's boils that he had. 
he had an attack of the enemy in his physical body that the power of God was available to, capable of meeting that need. But until he removed the badge of doubt from his heart and mind, he was not receiving from God. Once that was removed and he asked in faith, believing because it was the will of God for his life. See, this is the confidence that we have in him if we ask anything according to God's will. So it's, it's, it's important to find out the will of God first, then you can ask in faith. If you don't know the will of God, you can't ask in faith. So he found out the will of God and make a long story short, he was delivered and set free by the power of God. So here we see that it's important for us to know the will of God and ask according to His will. Then it says, if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Notice, if we ask according to His will, that's prayer, He heareth us. Next verse. And if we know that He hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've desired of Him. That's the faith part. That implies faith. So prayer is the asking part, asking in, within the framework of God's will. And then the faith part is, I know He heard me, and I know I have the petition. And it's based on the fact that I asked according to His will. So once again, we see the connection between prayer and faith. Look at Matthew chapter 21 and verse 22. And again, you'll have this reinforced in your thinking. Matthew 21, verse 22. In that scripture, Jesus says, and Jesus, as far as I'm concerned, was the greatest of all teachers and continues to be. And there isn't anybody that knows more about faith and prayer than Jesus. Can you say amen to that? Can you agree to that? And if he knows all about it, then I'm going to listen to what he has to say about it. I'm going to believe the way he taught it. Jesus said, Matthew twenty two twenty one, And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, doubting ye shall receive. You awake out there? I better hear some oh my's. No, he didn't say doubting, did he? He says, all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer. What's the next word? See, prayer doesn't work alone. You're not going to find anywhere in the Bible that prayer works alone. All things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, had he stopped right there and said, ye shall receive, we all will be blessed. But he didn't stop there. He said, believing. It's believing prayer that gets results. It's believing prayer that changes things. All things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, and then believing is the faith part. Ye shall Receive. Wouldn't that imply if you don't believe, you won't receive? We don't even have to imply it, do we? Because James said, ask in faith, nothing wavering. Why? Because let not that man think he shall receive anything. Notice the key. Let him ask in faith, believing. Why? Let not that man even think he shall receive anything from the Lord. For a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So what we believe then, beloved, is important, isn't it? Well, let's look at another scripture. I know this one is unfamiliar to all of you. Mark eleven twenty four. This you have a hard time with, I'm sure. After Jesus taught about faith in, in verses twenty four and twenty five, or twenty three and twenty four rather, twenty two and twenty three, and then twenty four and twenty five, he said, 
Therefore I say unto you, based on the, on the law of faith, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, now notice the expression, when ye pray. When you pray. Whatever you desire. When you pray. Whatever it is that you desire. Knowing the will of God. Praying in the will of God. Whatever it is that you desire. When you pray. Now he tells us what to believe. See Matthew 21, 22. He said all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer. Believing you shall receive. But here he tells us what to believe. You know that after you pray you can believe different things. I can believe different things. Here he says what to believe. Whatever you desire when you pray, believe ye receive them and ye shall have them. First believe ye receive them. That's what we are to believe. Then ye shall have them. So notice pray or prayer and faith. Praying is asking, petitioning the Father, whatever it is I need. And then after praying, believe. But he tells us here what to believe. Believe, you receive them, and you shall have them. Now take note. If all we've done is submitted ourselves to the first part of what the New Testament teaches about prayer and faith, or the prayer of faith and the prayer of petition, if all we've done is submitted ourselves to the first part, then we're only operating in half of the prayer of faith. And you know, that's why many fail to receive from God. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, you asked in prayer, but didn't believe you received. And if you didn't believe you received, you only acted on half of the prayer of faith. The other half was not acted upon. Or we can say it this way. The other half was acted upon improperly. Because you're going to believe something after you pray. I remember one time after praying for an individual. Well, as a matter of fact, let me go to another case. Here was an individual that in conversation said to me, We have prayed and we believe that God is going to... And then said what the need was. We have prayed, my wife and I have prayed, and we believe, notice the word believe, that God is going to give us whatever it was they asked Him for. Notice the word believe. Whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them. Jesus did not say believe you're going to receive them. After praying, if you believe, check up on yourself. I've had people say to me all the time, well, I've prayed about it and God's going to. Going to is always pointing to the future. Going to is looking down into the future. It's called hope. And it has no reality to it. Faith takes the unrealities of hope out of the future and brings them into the now. This realm of reality. God going to do something is not faith. That would be the prayer of hope. We're talking about the prayer of faith. The prayer that receives something from God. According to His rules, His instructions. So if you have prayed for something, you said, Father, I ask you for this like this individual did. 
And then in the next breath, you're telling people, well, I've prayed about it, and I believe that God is going to... That's wrong. You've acted properly on the first part of the prayer of faith, but improperly on the second part of the prayer of faith, and that improper action will nullify the effects of your praying. It's believing prayer. Believing the right thing. So this person believed that God was going to... And my wife and I just drove away and I said, Honey, they're not going to receive what they want from God. I said, Did you hear that statement that he had made after he said we prayed about it and God is going to? I said, That's future tense. That, that's nullifying the effects of their praying. And so that we just watched and observed and they did not receive from God. Then finally we sat down had a pretty long talk for quite a while. And after we did, we got some things jumbled around, you know, you know put in, in a proper perspective. Then acted upon the same scriptures, believed they received instead of believed that God was going to give. And you know what? They got it. They got it just like that. I always illustrate that by using this particular lady. God bless her. She said, I've been praying for 15 years for God to heal my hands from arth- of arthritis. 15 years. I said, dear Lord, after 15 years of praying for that, I'm thinking this, something is wrong here. Because healing belongs to you, and if you haven't received it in 15 years, something is definitely wrong. She says, well, can you help? I says, well, I hope so. I believe so from the Word of God, if you listen to what the Word of God has to say. And I said to her, have you ever read Mark 11, 23 and 24? Well, she says, I know they're in there. Most people know that they're in there. I said, but have you read it thoroughly? Have you read it through and studied it? I said, when you pray, what do you believe? She says, well, I believe God's going to do it. Oh, that sounds good. And you don't want to put anybody down, and you don't teach us to put anybody down. Thank God we should all have teachable spirits and want to be blessed and have more revelation and more light and walk in the light of God's Word. And so I said, well, that's the problem right there. See, you can pinpoint people. You can pinpoint things. Just like a doctor, a spiritual doctor can pinpoint things also. And so as you listen, you can hear. Find out whether believing is, is, is off or wrong. And I said to her, now listen, Mark eleven twenty three and 24 reveal the law of faith and the prayer of faith. You're not supposed to believe that God's going to do anything for you after you pray. Jesus told you to believe you receive it. Then you'll have it. She looked at me said, I'll go home and read, those, read over those scriptures. And she did. Next time I saw her, I said, well, what happened? She said, you know, 15 years I'm praying with no results. I went home, went, read Mark eleven twenty four, twenty three 23 and 24, put them together. Asked God this time and said, I believe I received it. All the pain is gone. I can play the piano better than ever. She received in one day what she couldn't get in 15 years of praying. Say it with me. Believing prayer changes things. See the difference? A little bit of teaching. There's a whole lot of good. Amen? Absolutely. Well, now the next thing that I hear people say after prayer is this. Well... I prayed, but I didn't get anything. I've had it even to this extreme. I'm here at the altar. Why? I want you to pray for me. Why? Well, because I have this problem and I want God to take care of it. Well, what do you believe? Well, I don't even know why I'm up here because every time I pray, I don't get anything. Well, you can locate that in a hurry, can't you? In other words, every time you pray, you're not going to get anything. Well, that's usually the case. Well, you see, you did believe something. You believe that God didn't do anything. 
And as long as you believe every time you pray, God's not going to do anything, you're not going to get anything. And God's not going to do anything. Because Jesus did not say after you pray, don't believe you got it. He didn't say that. Or believe that you didn't get it. Let's say it that way. It makes it more clear, a little bit clearer. Don't, he, said, believe, he didn't say, believe you didn't get it. Believe you didn't get it. No, after prayer, believe you received it. He didn't say after prayer, believe you didn't get it. He didn't say that. But yet many will fill their body or look at their checkbook and say, well, I didn't get it. I prayed, but I didn't get it. So notice this. After you pray, after I pray, we're going to believe one of three things. I either believe I didn't get it. Or I believe I'm going to get it. And those are both wrong. Or I believe I received. I believe I received. Regardless of what I see. Regardless of what I feel. My belief is not based on physical evidences. My belief is based upon the Word of God alone. For we walk by faith and not by sight. So I go on believing I receive them. That's what I'm to do. That's my part. God's part is, ye shall have them. That's God's part. He has to do that part. We have the easy part. He has the hard part. We just believe we receive it. He's got to make it good. Think about that. If you're believing for a new lung, he's got to make it. He's got the hard part. We've got the easy part. Whatever, whatever, you know, whatever it is that you're believing God for, he's got the hard part. He's got to make it good. All we've got to do is just believe it. Now, every time you teach along these lines, you're always going to have those that will just be skeptics. And they'll say, well, I don't know about all this. I had one tell me that's just a matter of semantics. You're just using words just to get a hold of people's attention and all that. I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter Chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, beloved. And whether we realize this or not, or whether they realize this or not, this is the kind of believing we are using to determine our eternal destiny. 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. This is the kind of prayer and faith, or prayer petition, or believing that we are using that is going to determine our eternal destiny. If we can trust the prayer of faith to our eternal destiny, how much more can we trust it to our physical well-being or supplying our material needs? Think about that. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, Whom, having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing... Without seeing, believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. For by grace are you saved through what? Faith. It was the prayer of faith that saved you, whether you realize it or not. For by grace are you saved through what? Faith. God's grace means He provided salvation. God's operational power that regenerates the human spirit has already been provided for all mankind. The only way that power can recreate a human spirit is through faith. That person must believe from his heart and confess with his mouth the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 
what, what saith it, Romans 10.8 says, The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith that we preach. If thou shalt believe, or confess, believe with thy heart that God, or confess with thy mouth the Lordship of Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart men believeth under right standing with God, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That means the moment you said, Lord Jesus, I open up my heart, I receive you as my Savior and Lord, He came in by faith. Recreated your spirit, you became a child of God. And from that day to this, you say, I believe I'm a child of God. I've been born of the Spirit. I've been washed in the blood, and I thank God that I have eternal life. Not that I'm going to get eternal life. I have eternal life. You have eternal life right now. So in other words, you're basing the fact that you're regenerated, that heaven is your home, that you have eternal life on the prayer of faith. You believe you received. Having not seen Him, you believe you received Him. And you love Him, and you have joy unspeakable inside you that's full of glory. And even though tomorrow you may get up on a Monday and not feel saved, your salvation is not based on how you feel. It is based on the Word of God alone. And the next day that you get up, you may not feel saved, but you'll say, Thank God, I opened up my heart to Jesus Christ. I've accepted Him in as my Savior and Lord. I am born again, washed in the blood, regardless of how I feel. So in other words, your salvation is not based on your feelings. You're walking by faith, not by sight or feeling. When it comes to all the other benefits of God, whether it's healing, it's the prayer of faith. Whether it's receiving the Holy Ghost, it's by faith. A miracle. He that worketh miracles among you, do he, he, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And the answer is by the hearing of faith. The Bible says that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through what? Faith. See, no matter what it is that we ask God for, when it comes to our personal individual lives, it comes by the way of faith. So I've got to believe from my heart and say with my mouth that I have received before I ever see it. And that's called faith. And that's the faith that will usher us into our eternal destiny in the presence of God Almighty. If it will do that, it will do other things for us also. Now, the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. In Hebrews 11:1, 1, the evidence of things not seen. It is the substance. The word substance means it is the ultimate reality that underlines every outward manifestation or change. It is the ultimate reality that underlies every outward manifestation or change. Faith is the ultimate reality that underlies the things that we see in this realm of life, in other words. You see that tree out there, how did it get there? You say, well, someone planted a seed. Yes, but where did the first tree come from? God spoke it into being through the word of faith. By faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things that are seen were not made of things that do appear. The things that we see in this realm of life were brought into this realm of reality. How? By the word of faith. And in Hebrews also we are told he upholds all things by the word of his power. Now faith then is just taking what God said, his word, putting it inside the heart of a man, digesting it until it becomes a reality. And the man is confident that it is the will of God for his life. Once he gets that confidence inside him, he will proclaim it with his mouth, speak it out boldly, 
and grab a hold of it by faith. Believing prayer then will change things. What changed things in your spirit when you got born again? Believing prayer. Do you see that? All things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing he shall receive. Let me give another example of that. How many of you remember the Roman centurion? Remember him? When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him beseeching him, saying, Lord, if I will not, my servant lie at home sick of the palsy. Remember, remember he said that? And, he, and what did he say? Jesus said, I'll come, I will come and heal him. Well, the man said, no, not so, Lord. I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. Jesus, when he heard it, marveled, turned to him and followed him and said, I've not seen such great faith in, in all of Israel. Many shall come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the king, that the children of the kingdom be cast out of darkness. Listen. And he said to the centurion, he said to that man, Go thy way as thou hast... What's the next word? Did he say as thou hast prayed? No. He said as thou hast believed... So be it done. You cannot take proper believing away from prayer. All things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing. The men believed the right thing. Jesus said in Mark 9, 23, All things are possible to him that what? Not prayeth, but to him that what? Believeth. We believe from the heart unto salvation. Which means, that word there means completeness, wholeness, preservation, soundness. We believe from the heart unto all these different things. That's called faith. We pray and ask, knowing it's the will of God, then we believe we have it. And then God says, you'll get it. There's a time factor there. Do you see that? Remember we said last week, if Jonah would have received his instant manifestation of what he was praying about, he would have had a long swim to shore. Think about that. But thank God, while he was praising God for the answer, without seeing it, he had a ride to shore. And when the time was right, he got off, he got off board. <laughs> Vomited out, and there he was. Very often, we thank God for instant miracles, don't get me wrong. But just because one did not receive an instant miracle does not mean that God's not at work in the situation. This prayer of faith has to be understood by the individual if we are going to receive the benefits that God has provided for us. And we have to do it exactly the way God said do it. Now, in Psalms 37, I want to tie these two in together. Psalm 37, look at verses 4 and 5 with me. If you would, please. And this will be our closing scripture. The prayer of commitment is in close connection with the prayer of faith or the prayer of petition. When we understand that the believing part shows God that we trust Him, I think it will be easier for us to believe. When it shows us, when we realize that it's showing God that we don't trust Him, then I think we'll make an adjustment and do some repair in our lives because we'll know that we don't want to insult Him. In actuality, we have more trust and confidence in natural things than we do in our living God. The Israelites did not have as much confidence and trust and faith in God than the heathen did. They said, 
Your, your God's the God of heaven and earth. He gave you the land. But the Israelites said, we can't take the land. The giants are too big. Think about that. They were walking by what they saw and said, we cannot overcome. The others, they knew no matter how big they were, that God was bigger. They couldn't fight. There was no match. There were no match for the Israelites because of God. In Psalms 34, or 37 rather, verses 4 and 5, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Notice, commit thy way unto the Lord. Underline that. That's the prayer part. You're going to pray and commit your way unto the Lord. But now notice the next part of that verse. Trust also in Him. Trust also in Him. Once you've committed your way to the Lord, it says then, trust in Him. There would be no need to trust in Him if the thing materialized automatically or instantly in this natural realm. Would there? But because not everything manifests itself instantly in this realm, there has to be an element of trust. We trust God with whatever we gave to Him. I'm going to read that from the Amplified Bible in verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord and then roll and repose each care of your load on Him. Then trust, lean on, rely on, and be confident also in Him and He will bring it to pass. Notice those steps. Prayer is turning the situation over to the Lord. You're asking Him. For a divine favor. So you're rolling your care upon Him. Lord, I have this need in my body. I'm rolling this care over off on You. Lord, I have this financial situation. I'm rolling this care over off on You. I'm turning it over to You. Very often, we'll find ourselves on payday going to the bank. And when you go to that bank, you make a deposit of a certain amount of your money, let's say maybe to, for, for savings or, or to cover some checks that you're about to write out to pay some bills. Regardless, you are giving them your money. You're turning it over to them. It is now in their possession. When we commit something to the Lord, we turn it over to Him. It now belongs to Him. It's no longer my problem. I give it to you. It belongs to you. I'm rolling this care on you. The next part of that verse says, trust also in Him. That's the faith part. The faith part is this. I have given Him my problem. Now I trust Him. By believing, He has already taken care of it. When you walk away from that bank, you believe they took care of your deposit. You have such confidence in them that you go and write out checks. Believing it's already taken care of because the money is already there. Is it not a sad thing that very often we have more faith in the Beaver Trust Company than we do in the living God? We can turn and walk away from the bank after giving them practically your entire paycheck, trusting that they're going to do with it 
what is proper. You know, many have not been that fortunate. They've lost their possessions, their savings and all that because they were not trustworthy people. And for one reason or another, they lost all their possessions. They went bankrupt. All, all that. You've heard of that. But think about the illustration there. We commit something to the Lord. This I'm turning over to you, dear Father God. Now, he says, trust also in me. Do you realize it's easier to drive away from a bank teller, just drive right off, and after you just gave them all your hard earnings, just put it right in there and just drive off and not even think about what they're going to do with it? You don't question what they're doing with it. You said, I want this in my checking account, I want this in my saving account or whatever, and then you drive off. And you believe what? It's taken care of. That's what this Scripture is saying. Commit your way to the Lord means turn it over to Him in prayer. But then trust also in Him. In other words, I believe it's taken care of. I'm walking by faith, not by sight. I believe I've received my need met. God has taken care of it already. And I thank Him for it. That is the believing part. Don't believe He's going to do something. Don't believe He didn't do something. But believe He already did. Just like you believe that that teller took exactly what you gave her or him and put it exactly where you said. You believe He did it. Well, the thing is, I believe God did it. I believe that God did it. See, this is faith. I have prayed, Father God, now I believe I receive. That's the second half. That's the second part. That's the second part of the prayer of faith. That's exactly what He said to believe. I believe I receive. Or, I know you heard me, and I know I have the petition that I have desired of you. That's the second part of the prayer of faith. I have asked you for it, Father. Now, phase two. I believe I receive. You have heard me. I have. I know I have the petition that I have desired of you. That's the second part. And while you're saying that and thanking Him and blessing Him for having done it, it's already done. I appreciate that, Father God. What's the last part of that verse 5 say? He will bring it to pass. You know, sometimes we want to cross over and help God bring it to pass. And when we take on to doing His part, that's when we get ourselves messed up once again. We're trying to bring it to pass. We're not to be trying to bring it to pass. We're to let Him do His part. Do you think, how many of you think in this, this building today that God is capable of doing His part? Absolutely. He is capable of doing His part. Well, if we really believe that, do you know what? We should have more confidence than we do in our bank. That's going to... Black bulbs are going to go off here a little bit. We should have more confidence in Him than we do in our bank. Or the fellow that says he's going to take care of your car, pick it up on Monday. Okay. Are you kidding me? You won't get that car for a month. But okay, come back on Monday. Where's my car? But you had all kinds of confidence and faith. Believe, you know, God has never let us down. God has never told one lie in, in, in all we know about Him. Not once. There's really no foundation for us to believe that God would not fulfill His Word. Because He has never, never, never once lied. He said, you do that, you will have it. And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. That's not a lie. God said it. He meant it. Now, I want to close by sharing with you. It's been a long time, but the Lord is speaking to my heart about sharing these things once again. For those of you that have heard it, that's okay. But for those of you that have not, just listen again carefully. When we first got saved, we started learning about the Word of Faith. 
I came out of a denominational background that didn't really have much teaching along the lines of the Word of God, and I didn't know the things that God had said. And I began to study books about faith, Brother Hagin's teachings in particular about faith, and E.W. Kenyon's teachings about faith and how it operates, how it works, and the laws of faith and all that. And it became a blessing to our lives. But very shortly, I mean, it wasn't very long before we were faced with a crisis situation. Tragedy struck our home. I was teaching a Bible study in my father's basement. And as I was teaching that Bible study, along the lines of faith and healing and believing God, we sent all the children upstairs and they went upstairs to, you know, just to play like little children do, just run around and play. And we had someone who was competent up there to watch all the children. Well, there I am downstairs with my wife and and everybody else around the table. and we're We're teaching. I'm teaching along the lines of faith and believing God when it comes to the area of healing in particular on that particular Saturday night, when all of a sudden, while we're down there in the middle of the study, we hear this thud, loud, bang, boom, crash. And we all got very quiet and concerned. When something like that happens, you just, everything just seems to go in slow motion from that point on. And so there we were, downstairs, and all of a sudden... I had this gut feeling on the inside of me and also my wife had the same gut feeling inside her that it was Lisa that fell. And so we all started running up the stairs and when we did, I opened up the door. Now they were up in the attic and it's it's a Cape Cod house and so my father had built a railing right around where the opening was so that up there, of course, there were bedrooms and all that. There was a lot of room for them to play. It was all paneled and, and all done real nice. And... There she was. There was Lisa lying at the bottom of the stairs. Ten feet, or was ten foot drop from the top to the bottom. She did not fall, you know, tumble down the stairs. It was straight. Ten foot drop, and she hit the steps below. And, of course, afterward we had inquired to find out how it had happened. And, and the girl that was watching them, the children, she was sitting on the railing herself. What she was old enough to do, but my daughter just felt that she was only three and a half going on four years old at the time. She felt as though she would do the same thing. And so she crawled up there with her. And while the kids were running around, one bumped her and she went over backwards, fell over backwards and just straight down. And I mean, she hit bottom. And when I opened up that door, we saw her condition. Her eye was cut right over here, was just split open right on the side here. She could not stand up to walk. You can tell by the way she hit, she hit head first. I didn't know if she broke her neck. I didn't know if she broke her back. My brother said it looked like she had a bone sticking out of, out of her back. When we stood her up to see if she could even stand. She couldn't stand. She collapsed to the floor. At that point, I picked her up in my arms and took her over into the living room and, and laid her down on the carpeting and said, let's pray. And we all laid hands on her and began to pray as hard and as fast as we could in other tongues in the Holy Ghost. You know, I know there are those that will oppose this teaching on the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues. And it's, and it's, first of all, it's validity, but let alone its benefits to the body of Christ. But you know what? I thank God that I was at that time filled with the Holy Ghost. And I thank God that I spoke with other tongues. Because at that point, that's all I knew to do was to reach out in my spirit. It was a crisis situation. And we knew that it was tragedy there. We were facing whatever. We didn't know to what, you know, depth or length. We didn't understand. But all we saw was there she was. She can't even walk. And blood is pouring out from her eye. 
And so we laid hands on her. And we began to pray with other tongues in the Holy Ghost as hard as we could and as fast as we could. I don't know how long it went on. Sometimes a minute seems like an hour and an hour seems like a minute. At that point, I just, in my spirit, these words just kind of flowed out of me. Thank, I stopped in tongues and said, thank God. Now, according to Mark eleven twenty four, I believe she is healed. And that stopped everybody's praying. Proceeded to stand up and said, well, thank God, now that she's healed, let's go finish the Bible study. And you talk about having some looks. I had looks at me like, you know, you're sick. Something's the matter with you. This child needs to go to the hospital right now. But I want you to understand this, please, carefully. The thought of taking her to the hospital never occurred to either my wife or myself. Never even occurred to us. Didn't even know it was available. Can you understand that? I was so caught up at that moment. We were so caught up. We were so in tune. I didn't even know that there was another course of action to take. Single-minded. As far as we were concerned, we didn't even think about another course of action to take. I said, let's go down and finish the Bible study. And my wife got a wet washcloth. And here she is, just limp, holding her in her arms. And she got a wet washcloth, took her downstairs, and just proceeded to wipe the blood off of her face. I then continued the Bible study, finished the Bible study, picked her up in my arms, and we drove home. When we got home, picked her, had her in my arms, laid her in bed. Her room was next to ours and just laid her down on the bed. And as she was lying there on the bed, we just said, thank God you are healed. Faith is always in the past tense and present tense. It's in the now. It's never in the future. Make note of that, beloved. It's always in the past tense and present tense, never future. Future is always hope. That's why we have a blessed hope that Jesus is coming someday. We can't change that with faith. He's coming. That's a hope that we have. We cannot receive that by faith. It's impossible. In God's timetable, that's a future event that will take place. It's called the believer's hope. But faith is different. It involves the past, what Jesus has done for us, and what He is doing right now. That's faith. I am, is present tense, a child of God. I am born of the Spirit. I was saved 14 years ago. I am saved now. That's still faith. So as we let, you know, she was lying there on the bed. We said, thank God she is healed. Thank God she is healed. You are healed. See, that's present tense. We prayed. He heard. You were healed. You are healed. And faith always stays in the past and presence. Present tense. Went to bed. You want to talk about a warfare? You want to talk about the good fight of faith? Fight the good fight of faith, the Bible said. I'm telling you. Everything inside me wanted to jump out of bed and go in there because these thoughts came to my mind. You better go find out about your daughter. How do you know she's well? What if she dies in there? Oh, these thoughts were just coming to my mind. And at one point, you almost found yourself jumping out of bed to go in the other room to find out how she was. But no, I just, I just laid there in bed and said, you know what? God said in Mark eleven twenty four. I'll tell you what, it pays to know what is written, beloved. It is written. 
and just took a hold of the Word of God and stayed with it. I believe she is healed. Therefore, there's no reason to go check anything. She is healed. Beloved, that was on a Saturday night. She awakened us in the morning by running into our bedroom, standing in front of the mirror, looking into it saying, Thank you, Jesus, you healed me. She's not even four years old yet. We never really had the time to teach her about believe you receive and you shall have. She stood there looking in that mirror saying, Thank you, Jesus, you healed me. Now, beloved, can I share this with you? I hope you understand where I'm coming from. I went to church that Sunday morning and I went to the body and says to the pastor and I said, You know, brother, what I want you to do this morning is thank God with me for healing my daughter last night. And you know, when he went up to the pulpit, instead of doing that, he began to pray for her to get healed. And that's when it really hit me that most people don't understand how faith operates. He thought he had to pray for her to get healed. And I was saying, no, brother, you misunderstand. You misunderstood what I said. I didn't say pray for her to get healed. I said, she is healed. I said, would you just thank God with us, the whole body here, just, just keep thanking the Father that she is healed? But see, they couldn't grasp that. They couldn't understand that kind of language. And it's no indictment against them. They weren't taught that. But I thought they were because I was just so newly saved. I thought everybody knew that. To make it short, once again, three days, she walked in front of that mirror. She woke up in the morning and she said, Thank you, Jesus. You healed me. Now, you have to understand. The very next day, I mean to tell you, her eye... You could not see... This side of her face was not Lisa. This side of her face was Lisa. The other side was not Lisa. Who it was, I don't know. You could not recognize her. That's how bad she looked from outward appearances. But now notice she ran. She couldn't walk the night before, but she ran over to the mirror and she said, Thank you, Jesus, you healed me. Then this here part of her eye was she never had a stitch. She never had any kind of attention whatsoever other than a wet washcloth that wiped off the blood. It just protruded. I mean, it was just like a, just a big ball there. Huge. And like I said, this side of her face was just black and blue and, and every other color you can imagine. And she wasn't even recognizable. We couldn't recognize her. The third day, she jumped into bed and she said, Thank you, Jesus. You healed me. And she said, my wife said, that onto the bed sheets fell off this infected part of her, what was all infected, and she said brand new skin was all underneath. And by that Saturday night, which was the next Bible study from Saturday night to Saturday night, you could hardly tell that she even fell and got hurt in her face. It had a little bit of yellow left on her face. Now, I played football. And I've been hit between the eyes. And I've had some shiners. <laughs> they don't go away in that short of time. And she was so, so bad, like I said. When we took her back, they could not believe it. They could not believe it was the same girl that fell down and looked the way she did. But, beloved, once again, I, and I always tell people when I, when I minister along these lines, don't you do anything foolish. Don't you act on someone else's faith. That's what we did at that moment of time. 
Now, to this day, I mean, you know, we've been challenged with this. Oh, I, I shared this with a, another group, and they said, oh, this was not God's miracle-working power and all that. But you couldn't convince me because man cannot heal that way that fast. It's impossible. And nature doesn't heal that fast. It's impossible. But by the power of God, she was brought back to health. And I'll tell you, to be quite frank about it, we could have been facing paralysis. She could have been facing who knows what. You know, in her head and, and on all that with the eye, her eyesight and everything else. I know as I stand here, it was by the, by the word of faith and by the prayer of faith that she is with us even today and that she is whole and she's not paralyzed in a wheelchair somewhere. I know that for a definite fact. That she's whole because of the prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith shall what? Save the sick. Make whole the sick. The prayer of faith will do it. And beloved, I'll tell you what, we rejoice. We rejoice together knowing that because of the prayer of faith, our daughter is still with us. So you see, the prayer of faith is not pointing to the future. The prayer of faith is pointing to the past, something that Jesus did for us in the past on the cross, and then applying it to the present. It's okay to say I was prayed for yesterday, and therefore I believe I receive and have it now. That's faith. Because some will say, well, what am I supposed to say then? If I tell them that I'm whole, that I'm well, and they see a condition in my body, what am I supposed to say? Isn't that lying? No, it's not lying. I was prayed for yesterday is what you tell them. And therefore, I believe I've received my healing, and therefore, I have it now. That's present tense. And see, God's at work. Just as God was at work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, in her body, He was at work every single day. And what kept the power of God flowing? Keep the switch of faith turned on. What is faith? I believe I receive. I believe I receive. I believe I receive and let God work. That's the prayer of faith. That's how it works. And once you pray it, you commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him. What did He say He would do? Bring it to pass. What did He do? He brought it to pass. I'll tell you what, on paper that sounds so easy, doesn't it? But you try doing that when you've got all those mixed emotions on the inside of you just tearing you up because your little girl's lying there in a bloody mess. That's the difference. You say, how do we get that kind of confidence in God? Come tonight. You'll find out. Let's stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.